0: Let me begin with the word of prayer. We'll get started. Father, we do look forward to the heaven that you have prepared for us. Thank you that you will clothe us with robes of white that symbolize the purity that there will be, that there will be no uh, immoral things, no um, ungodly things in your presence. And we long to be there. And we long to see the things of this world um, made right. And we know that that will happen through the uh, coming of Jesus Christ and and His reign on this earth and then the eternal reign that He will have in um, the eternal state to follow. Thank You for Your grace and for helping us to see the truth of Your Word and to be able to accept it as truth and to be able to apply it to our lives. Help us this morning as we do that. In Jesus' name. Amen. A lot of times we say to parents of new children that you know kids don't come with an instruction man- manual, so good luck with that, you know. But actually, they do. Um, the Bible has uh, an instruction manual. It's right after the song book in the Bible, the Book of Psalms, and that is the the Book of Proverbs. And uh, so let let's turn there. We're going to um, look at several. Passages I'll probably refer to several because if we turned to all of them, uh, we'd run out of time. But Proverbs chapter 1. And um, John MacArthur has a book called Successful Christian Parenting. And in that, he, he takes a look at the book of Proverbs and shows that in order for us to raise our children, to raise our grandchildren, then we ought to go to the book of Wisdom. Because really what parenting is, is simply teaching our children how to be wise. It's teaching them wisdom. Obviously, Proverbs is not directed primarily at children, or only, I should say, at children. Um, We could argue that it actually is directed at children, because the proverb is from a father, Solomon, to his son. My son, listen to my sayings, and he's going to give him lots of wise statements that he ought to understand and listen to and, and follow. And so, um, obviously, we can glean a lot from the book of Proverbs. We don't just have to pass this on to our children. But when we are gleaning uh, good truth from Proverbs, then we can pass it on to our children and make and, and it can be valuable. Look at chapter 1, verse 4. <clears throat> to give prudence. okay, Solomon's talking about his purpose in this. To give prudence to the naïve. To the youth, knowledge and discretion. A wise man will hear and increase in learning, and a man of understanding will acquire wise counsel. To understand a proverb and a figure, the words of the wise and their riddles. Well, there are lots of instructions that we can learn from in this book, um, but we want to just look at some we want to first understand what Proverbs are. Understand that Proverbs are not guarantees. Okay? They're general statements. When we study through the book of Proverbs on Wednesday, I, I, I mentioned this several times, but um, you know, for example, the the proverb that says, Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old he will not depart from it. Right Now, is that a guarantee that all who train up their children in the way that they will go, when they're old, they will not depart from it? No, that's a general statement. In general, if we make it the pattern of our lives as parents to train up our children in the way that they should go, then in general, then uh, they, will, they will not depart from it. Obviously, the alternative is even worse. You know, Don't train up a child in the way that they should go, and they probably will um, uh, turn out to be fools it's unlikely in other words that they will turn into a wise person so we need to understand that proverbs are general statements um and that that proverbs is practical wisdom it's often like um little bits of honey um they're very sweet rich um and uh sometimes if we read through the whole book of Proverbs at one time it's it's kind of hard to to swallow. It's hard to 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 in, uh digest that much wisdom because what they are is each little proverb is just packed full of so much wisdom. And so it's often best to take the proverbs in smaller chunks to uh, and uh try to see what what God is saying through those. But just like Proverbs is practical, so is Parenting and ought to be. Proverbs 14:16 says, "A wise man fears and departs from evil." Proverbs 12:15, "He who heeds counsel is wise." Okay, so there is wisdom in following the word of God. And so we need to be, as parents, we need to be portraying these wise ways of life, but also speaking them to our children. In other words, it's not enough simply to live a godly life before our children. We also have to teach them with our mouth. Obviously, the converse is also true. It's not enough just to tell them, be good, do what is right, follow God, fear God, and so on. We also need to live it as well, that those things go hand in hand. Um, And if, if you get the sense of, what Solomon is doing throughout this proverb, he is pleading with his son. And this is the way we need to teach our children. We need to plead with them to be wise, to to follow wisdom. Proverbs chapter two, verse one, my son, if you will receive my words and treasure my commandments. So he lays out a case. Here's why you ought to do it. This is important for you. I'm encouraging you to do what is right, so follow. The world encourages us to teach our kids to pursue many things. But wisdom is not on that list. Um, It probably doesn't even make the top 100 things that the world tells us that we ought to teach our children. And even if you read through some Christian books, they can downplay the value of wisdom. And yet, we have a whole book that's given to wisdom and instruction, understanding, discretion. And this is what our children need because it's going to help them in life so that they don't just have a list of rules or ideas, but rather they understand that how to actually be wise, how to make wise choices for themselves when mom and dad isn't there, when no one else is looking over their shoulder. And so what we have here this morning is ten principles of wisdom that John MacArthur lays out in his book, successful Christian parenting and we're just going to use them he draws them from Proverbs so I think it's very uh, valuable information here for us to to learn and and to pass on all right so 10 principles of wisdom that we ought to live out and speak to our children that something that they should treasure and uh, take great joy in and, and pleasure in doing these things number one We must teach our children to fear their God. Where does this come from? Well, look at verse 7 of chapter 1. You should still be in chapter 1. Verse 7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge or wisdom. Fools despise wisdom and understanding. Okay, so we need to teach. If we want to just say an overarching principle, the main thing that we need to teach our children is to fear their God. All these other ones, these next nine... Are going to fall under this main one. We need to fear our God. We need to teach our children to fear their God. Fearing God does not mean being scared of Him necessarily. It, it rather has a rever- it's a reverential awe. It's a, a respect, a, a hatred for God's displeasure, a fear of God's displeasure. Um, it is a it's a healthy sense of fear. Okay, so don't think of it as terror necessarily, although. In many cases in the Scriptures, you see where people go before God and they are terrified at His holiness. And and there should be that sort of sense, but but it's a healthy sense of fear that leads to practical righteousness. John MacArthur writes, You have not satisfied the responsibilities of parenthood when you have made your children to submit to you. Think about that statement. You haven't satisfied your responsibility if you've just gotten them to submit. He says, my goal as a father was not merely to have my children being chastened by me, their father. I wanted them to fear being chastened by their heavenly father. Okay, Teach them that that when they sin, they're not sinning against my little empire as their parent. Like, you've messed up my little kingdom. But rather, that you've actually sinned against the God of the universe. Teach them that their sin goes beyond themselves goes beyond you and goes to God. it actually is an affront against God. The way that I do this uh, very practically with with my children is i I tell this to them every time I discipline them. every time I give them corporal punishment, I sit down with them first and talk to them about what their sin is and why it's a sin against God. okay you know for example you know if if I tell them Uh, during this period of time, I don't want you running in the house, okay? Sometimes it's appropriate to run in the house, but during this time, I don't want you running in the house. Well, when they actually do run in the house, and I sit down with them and I say, you're going to be disciplined for that. Well, the first question I ask them is, why are you getting uh, disciplined? And uh, they say for what they did, they say what what they did. And I say, but why is that a sin against God? And then they have to think because there is no sin or or there is no command in the Bible that says don't run in the house, right? And so they have to think of a command in the scripture that comes from God. And obviously, sometimes I have to help them in that. And the older they get, the less that I have to help them. But what I want them to see is not, not that they're just sinning against me. See, I've. I, as their parent, have told them to do something. By the way, just in case you didn't know, which one? It's Ephesians 6:1. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. So, if I said it, I'm actually you're actually sinning against me, but you're sinning against God. And for me not to uh, discipline you here would actually mean that I'm sinning against God. Okay. So what I'm doing is actually a loving thing, and uh, I want you to see that. We'll actually have a class to talk about how that's carried out. But, but just very practically. You know, we want to help our kids to see that life is not just about our little family and our little set of rules that we have set up, but life is about God. And we want to get those rules in line with what God says and so on. Um, Ted Tripp, I uh, mentioned that video that I have out there. You're welcome to borrow that. There's, it's um, it's a parenting DVD series that he puts together. It's really helpful. And one of the illustrations that he uses when he... He was a kid, he was taught this same idea that um, disobedience to his parents was very dangerous because God did not promise disobedience kid, disobedient kids that it would go well with them. You know, in Ephesians 6 and even, uh, even in Exodus chapter 20, it says, if you honor your parents, if you obey your parents, then you will live long and prosper, that sort of idea. Um, and uh, so he said, we learned from a very young age that if we disobeyed, that we weren't promised to live long lives. And so one time he was getting ready, he and his brother were getting ready to climb a fence to play baseball in an area that they had been told not to play, and they were with some other boys. And Ted's little brother said, Ted, if you do that, you don't want to live very long, do you? And the other boy said, what, is your dad going to kill you? And uh, he 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 had to explain to him, no, see, we we are so... We, we so have been ingrained with the idea that w- obeying our parents is what is best that that we uh, we are actually fearful in a healthy way of what God will do to us obviously um, you understand the the um, simplicity of their thinking, but as they grew older they started to see the importance of doing that and so this means we need to teach our kids to fear the Lord teach them the importance of following God of loving God of of moving away from sin pointing pointing them to the the dangers of disobedience and so on all right and then obviously you know involved in this is an understanding of the forgiveness that God offers we don't have to be um, domineering in our parenting in any way we obviously need to be very loving in the way that we that we um, lead our children and teach them that teach them that god is a god of forgiveness that 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 it's okay to fail they don't have to pretend to be perfect they, it's okay to fail but when you fail you need to you need to own up to it and you need to recognize that there is forgiveness with god and the way that you do that is not just by telling them that but actually being a forgiving parent number 2 we need to teach our children to guard their minds in chapter 4 verse 23 Solomon says, "Guard your heart with all diligence for out of it are the issues of life okay guard your heart or guard your mind proverbs twenty three seven as a man thinks in his heart, so is he the basic implication of this is that we must help our children um, who are often gullible and ready to believe just about anything we need to learn we need to teach them that uh, that they understand how to guard their own minds. Now, this is a big job, parents, um, because we have all of these avenues or uh, means within our world that are trying to attack our children's minds. Okay, just take net- network television for example. You know, n- not let alone cable, but but they basically get a free shot at our kids to tell them whatever they want to say. And um, half the time, you know, we as parents don't even supervise that. I think that's a problem. Several, uh, even justices of the Supreme Court in years past, have recognized the danger of broadcast media being an intruder in our homes. They say, to, to say that one may avoid further offense by turning off the radio or the television when he hears indecent language is like saying that the remedy for an assault is to run away after the first strike. The point is is we we often treat television or or any of these other avenues of media as if, you know what, they're not harmful until we actually see something bad or hear something bad, and then we're turning it. We're going to change the channel, we're going to turn it off. What the Supreme Court wisely recognizes here is that, that that's as foolish as saying, you know what, we we're not really concerned about assault until we first get hit. And it, the their point is, and I think proverbs would agree that that we need to we need to cut that off before it comes. And there are some practical ways that we can do that. Um but before we get there, let me just say that that are, are we willing to allow our children to 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 get a have Satan give him give them a free shot whatever he wants to to do the average American child uh, based on studies watches 25 hours of television a week you thought I was going to say a day didn't you um, uh, 25 hours of television a week that's more than three hours every day and part of the reason that we do that as parents uh shamefully is because we're looking for a little bit of quiet time it's our it's our um kind of free babysitter where we can just put them in front of the t v and they they seem to mind they seem to to be engaged in that and they and they will but are we really delegating our jobs as parents to the television to the to the uh many cases ungodly media rather than uh, taking that responsibility on ourselves, oh we need to we need to guard our kids hearts, and one of the ways that we can do that very practically is by guarding what they what goes into their eye and ear gate i 'm not setting out uh you know lines of of um, of of responsibility for you i 'm not telling you where you need to draw the line i 'm just saying that you need to be aware of of what is going into your children's minds, how how much is being shaped by the culture rather than by the word of God. And you know, in our day there there are just so many ways that our kids can can be engrossed in the culture without our supervision that that it can actually be very dangerous, you know, with all the video games and and as they get older cell phones and text messaging and all the social media and we we teach our children in a wrong way to basically have their own little world of entertainment, and um, and we we need to teach them the, the, the dangers of these things. One of the very practical ways that we can do this with our children is to not allow them to watch anything that we either haven't first seen or to actually sit with them while we're watching it. Okay? Um, and that is a very helpful thing. We, Jennifer and I do this all the time. We don't allow our kids to watch movies that that we either haven't seen or that we're not sitting there with them watching it. When they go over to other kids' house, we make the parents uh, tell us what movies they're going to be watching or tell or TV shows before they can. So so they have to either text Jennifer or or contact us in some way before they can actually put on a. a, a a television show, otherwise our, our kids won't be allowed to go over there. And uh so we wanna we wanna guard that. Now what about the you know what about what the Supreme Court was saying about that first strike type idea. Well you're I basically just said I'm watching it with them because we don't know what's on there. Um but we're gonna talk about that in just a second because um actually in in doing that and watching it with them we actually teach them discernment because when we're watching it with them, and something um, unwise comes up on the screen, okay, that, that you have this new age philosophy, or some some foolish idea, or, or circumstance, or um, a disregard for authority, that sort of thing, then we can use that as a teaching time, like we would, like Solomon would with the sluggard. You know, he walks by the field of the sluggard. We'll talk about that a little bit later. Um, but that's actually a good thing for our kids to see. We don't want to completely shelter them and say, we don't want you to see anything in the outside world, because that actually can be more harmful um, than than allowing them to see. Now, obviously, we need to be guarded. Up. That doesn't mean we open up everything to them. We need to draw lines of distinction of what they can and cannot watch. But um, but there there are some things that are okay for them to see and recognize that those are not helpful um, they're, they're not godly ways of life, and that, that that's going to require wisdom on your part to know which types of things they ought to be looking at and discern, learning discernment from, and which things they ought not to be. All right, I've said a lot so far. Any questions? Fearing our fearing their God and and then uh, guarding their minds. Ken. Yeah. Mindset that defiles what comes out. And as we teach children to guard their minds, we need to teach them to guard what's coming out of them from their thoughts. Mm-hmm. Uh, because we hardly do anything without thinking about it, without planning first. Yeah. And so they, they need to learn to guard that kind of stuff. Yeah, I'm going to argue this morning in the morning service that. That if we don't guard what comes in as well, though, if we don't have a good theological grid that comes in, then it, we're going to be our hearts are going to be filled with corruption, and it's going to spill out. It's like the old um, the computer code I think they used to G I G O garbage in garbage. Out. You know, you put garbage in, then you can expect that that's what's going to come out. But so I see your point as well. You know, is that ultimately what corrupts us is not you know not the, the food that we eat you know you think about the Jewish laws that doesn't corrupt us Jesus made that same statement in Mark he said you know it's not what goes into our body that corrupts us but rather what comes out of our hearts what all these evil things and so we need to watch what's going in there and what's in there and then and then guard it um, both coming in and going out Vicky Oh yeah. That tells you how dangerous it can be if you have a secular um body of of people looking at it and seeing some dangers in it. Tells you how um how how far the, the media industry has gone. We need to keep oh, go ahead, Jared. Yeah, absolutely. I can't no, learn these things again. These, all these, all ten of these are going to be helpful for us to learn. And in fact, we're not going to be good teachers to our parents or any other younger people in our church if we haven't learned them first. So when you're, I'm focusing this on parents just because this is a class on parenting. But please, you know, take this wisdom for yourself as well. We all we all need to learn this. Well, this one here, maybe uh <laughs> number three, we must teach our children to obey their parents. we're uh past that point, so that might be the exception. Teach your kids teach your kids that that you know authority is a good thing and actually is a protective means by which God helps them and and leads them and keeps them from danger um And uh, we need to teach this to our children, even at a young age, because children, from the very time that they have self-conscious thought, are wanting to be their own authority. They're wanting to be their own God. But I hope you recognize that at every time in your life, you will always have authority. In fact, throughout all of eternity, you're always going to have an authority. And so authority is a good thing. It's a means by which God lovingly leads us and as their parent, you ought to encourage them to obey you and to honor you as the Scriptures teach. Um, Proverbs, uh, Proverbs chapter 30, verse 17, Reproofs of instruction are the way of life. 13.24, The eye that mocks his father and scorns obedience to his mother, the ravens of the valley will pick it out and the young eagles will eat it. Uh He who spares his rod hates his son, but he who loves him disciplines him promptly. Okay, teach your children to obey you. Um, Teach them that obedience is a good thing. Lots of good songs to help them in that way. All right, number four. Teach our children to select their companions. Look at verse 11, chapter 1. If they say, "Okay," let's start in verse ten. My son, if sinners entice you, do not consent. If they say, "Come with us, let us lie in wait for blood, let us ambush the innocent without cause, let us swallow them alive like sheol, even whole as those who go down to the pit," we will find all kinds of precious wealth, we'll fill our houses with spoil. Throw in your lot with us; we shall have one purse. My son, do not walk in the way with them. See what Solomon is doing here. Guard yourself against these people who are. Are trying to corrupt you, you need to select good companions. Later on in chapter thirteen, verse twenty, he says, He who walks with wise men will be what? Wise, but a companion of fools will be destroyed. Okay? Don't don't be deceived, Paul says first Corinthians fifteen thirty three. Evil company or bad company corrupts good what? Good manners, good good habits, good morals. We want to train our children that the choice of of friends is not a matter of indifference. You know, it just doesn't it it doesn't matter who you but we want to teach them that friends help shape how they think and sometimes unknowingly they are shaping the way our kids think. And again, if we're guarding what kind of media is coming into our children, why would we not want to guard what's coming in from their friends? Think about your own childhood. Who influenced you the most to the way that you thought? Was it not the people to, to whom you spent or with whom you spent the most time? Your friends, right? And if you were if you were a Christian at that time, and your your parents taught you to choose good friends, you know that that actually helped you in your life. But you know also that that if you were not a Christian or you were not a wise Christian at that time, then you you probably were influenced very much by your friends. So we need to teach our children to select good friends. And uh, that may mean that you have to, uh, in some cases, choose who they cannot hang around with. My dad, I remember doing that with a brother of mine. And uh, I got to be careful because these things are recorded. But um, (laughs) he had a girlfriend that he was um, getting serious with in high school. And I could totally see them getting married at some point. They didn't end up getting married, but my parents at some point cut it off because they didn't like the way that she was influencing him. They didn't like the way that she lived. They didn't like the way that she acted. And that was a really hard thing for my brother. But I could, I can imagine if I asked him about it now, he would be thankful. Obviously, if I asked him from his wife, he would have to say that. But um, I know that he would be thankful for how my parents helped him choose his friends. Same thing happened with another one of my brothers who was dating a, a girl that was a Seventh Day Adventist. You know, she was a, she was a student of the school and everything. Seemed like a very nice girl, but my parents just recognized that's not going to work. So don't even start down that path. If if you're not going to be able to marry her, why even date in that situation? So so we may have to do that with our children at times, even at a young age. There are kids that that have uh, much looser standards and much different views of God than your kids may even have right now, even at a young age. And so guard, um, guard who they are friends with, but also teach them responsibility and allow them to, to be able to make those types of choices. The best way to handle this is to be able to teach them how to make good friends. One of the ways to cultivate this is just by you know talking to your children. Ask them questions. Who are their heroes? What kind of people do they like to hang around with? Um, give me some examples of who who makes a, would make a wise friend for you and who would make an unwise friend. Teach them how to do those sorts of things. All right, let me do number five, and then I'll see if you have any questions. Number five, teach your children to control their lusts. Paul says in Second 2 Timothy 2.22, Flee youthful lusts, but pursue righteousness, faith, love, peace with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. The development of powerful lusts does not begin at adulthood. Okay, The development of powerful lusts happens at a very young age. So teach your children how to control their lusts. What kind of things do they live for? Okay, you can usually tell what kind of things they live for based on what they have the most excitement over, both positive and negatively. Okay, what, what do they throw temper tantrums over? Are those good things that they, they are throwing temper tantrums? Okay, you can throw a tantrum over something that is actually good and profitable for them, or you can throw, something, throw a tantrum for something that is obviously against God. So, so let's think about those things at a young age and help, help them to control their lusts help them to recognize that there is great danger in um, going into the the house of the harlot. Okay, as they get older, as it's appropriate for them, they start having these desires. Make sure that you're teaching them that fornication can literally be fatal, like chapter uh, the, the early chapters of Proverbs talks chapter 5, verse 3, it says, The lips of an immoral woman drip honey, and her mouth is smoother than oil. But in the end, she is bitter as gall, sharp as a two-edged sword. Her feet go down to death. Her steps lay hold of hell. And she invites men to come with her. Okay, so go over those first few chapters of Proverbs with your children. Again, like I was talking about last week, when you spend time as a family reading the Scriptures with them, the Proverbs are a great place to go and to, to help... Show them the dangers of adultery and immorality um, for the boys, we want to impress upon them the eternal danger of such women okay that that her Her paths are everywhere today they, That is that almost anywhere you go in our society there there are immoral women that are trying to seduce even your own sons. So guard your sons against those types of things. Again, model that for them and then guard your sons against them. Help them to see the joys of, of waiting um, for sexual pleasure until marriage. Help them to recognize that, that that was a gift from God, but something that is not to, be, um, to just be loosely done by any two people. For the girls, we want to impress upon them not to be those types of women. Okay, recognize that um, just as magnetically as our sons are going to be drawn to sexual sin, so our culture is drawing our daughters to be the seductress. Okay, that is that there is great power in being able to, to. Um, have a a man's mind controlled by her looks and her beauty. Madonna has said, I've been provoking people since I was a little girl. I've always wanted to be alluring. It's a great feeling to be powerful. I've been striving for it all my life. Okay, obviously she's past her prime now, but she very much fits into what Proverbs 7 talks about. She is loud and defiant. Her feet never stay at home. Now in the street, now in the square, she lurks with a brazen face. Many are the victims she has brought down. Her slain are a mighty throng. Don't think that just because your daughter is growing up in a Christian home because you and your spouse are Christian, don't think that your daughter is not susceptible to these types of temptations. We want to teach our girls that this lust for power is actually... um, is actually against God. It is sinful. It's a form of self-worship. It's not loving to any boys. Okay, uh, Dressing improperly is not loving to anyone. And it's a rebellion against God's design. We want to teach our, our daughters that. All right. Any questions on one through five? I have to quickly get through these last five. All right. Number six. Teach them to enjoy their spouses. This kind of is the counterpart to the previous one. You know, one of the dangers and one of the pitfalls, I should say, when we teach our children that the immorality is wrong is that they can hear that sex is wrong. Okay? We don't want the, our children to think that sex is not wrong. Sex is wrong outside the bounds of marriage. That's what we want them to understand. So teach them to love their spouse. Um, that means show signs of affection to your spouse in front of them. Obviously, in not explicit ways. You understand what I'm saying, but but show them that you do love your spouse and that waiting until marriage is the best thing for them. Proverbs 5 talks about this. Enjoy the spouse of your youth. So, Song of Solomon obviously does the same. Okay, we got to be careful with that with the way that we teach our children because they can see that as as a as a form of. Um, something that God is displeased with altogether, and we we have to teach them that that's actually a good thing within the bounds of marriage. So teach them to love their spouses as they get to that point. Number seven, teach your children to watch their words, okay, to guard their mouths. Proverbs 4.24, put away perversity from your mouth, keep corrupt talk from your lips, We looked at this last week in Ephesians 4. Do not let any unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but only what is helpful for edifying, so that it may build up those who listen, that it may benefit those who listen. And and Proverbs is full of these. Read through chapter 10 sometimes and just try to find the ones that talk about using our lips in a a right way. Proverbs chapter 10. Then chapter 12, verse 18. The tongue of the wise brings healing. 15.7 The lips of the wise spread knowledge. 16.23, 16.23, a wise man's lips promote instruction. Alright, so teach teach your children to use their lips in a proper way. Obviously, we can find lots of examples of improper ways to use our lips in the book of Proverbs. And so, teach them those wrong things. That is, teach them how not to do those and um, show them the, the value of that. Alright? To control their words or to watch their words. Number... Eight. Any questions? All right, teach them to pursue their work. Teach them to pursue their work. One of the great ways that we can teach our children the great value of work is by showing them the sluggard. Okay? And I'm talking about both in the book of Proverbs and in real life. Show them real sluggards and, and help them to learn from that. Um, teach their children how to spot what a sluggard is. Look, looks like turn to chapter six. Chapter six. Verse nine. Okay, here we have verse six, the ant, the positive example of work, and then you have verse nine, How long will you lie down, O sluggard? When will you arise from your sleep, a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, your poverty will come, it will come in like a vagabond in your need like an armed man. Okay, uh, Proverbs 26:14 says, As a door turns on its hinges, so a sluggard, a sluggard turns on his bed. Uh, Mark Dever says that being a sluggard is like practicing for the grave. Because the sluggard fails to take advantage of present opportunity, he inordinately, inordinately loves to sleep and fails ever to finish what he starts. Just like someone in the grave, um, Proverbs is full of such admissions that admonitions that we have seen proved over and over and again in our lives. You know of example of people who were lazy and turned out to be um, destroyed because of their laziness. You know examples of people who positively used work and were hard work, hard workers, and used that to advance the work of God. And so, show them those examples. Proverbs six verses six through eight. Um, just above this talks about going to the ant. Okay, look at the ant. Notice that he gets the job done without his boss standing over his shoulder. Right? They have no leader, and yet they get their work done. That is, they are self-motivated. Teach your children how to be self-motivated. It's one of the greatest things that I think uh, my my dad taught us children was to to be self-motivated to be able to work without someone looking over your shoulder because of the value of work. Know how to plan ahead. Ants do this, you know, they they recognize that even though we don't need this food now, we're going to plan ahead. So so use their example, even though they're doing it instinctively, we need to do it thoughtfully and and um and purposefully. And uh certainly need to teach this to both boys and girls. We don't want to see them head towards destruction. We don't want laziness to get the best of them. We want to be good models of what God does all the time. He's always working. Even on, you know, we could go back to the Old Testament. Even on the Sabbath day, God was still working. Okay? Um, And obviously, teach them to to manage that, not to be working uh, too much. Obviously, in our society, um, we have a lot of... um, focus on working too much and we've got to be careful with that. We need to guard our children with that. But usually the the, the extreme that we see in our children is they don't work enough. We we want to just give them everything. And, and um, maybe we had a tough childhood and so we don't want our children to go through that and so we, we make it a little bit easier on them. But teach them to work. It'll be something that they will uh, receive great value from for a long time. Number nine, teach them to manage their money. Teach them to manage their money. Teach them that they need to honor God with their wealth. That all money is God's money. All Everything that we have belongs to God. It, it all belongs to God. So when He gives us a portion of it, we just are His managers. We're His, his administrators. And we need to determine how we ought to use it rightly for His work. Okay, so um, whether that be pr- providing for our own family, whether that be giving to God's work here at the church whatever it is. Um we need to think about that and teach our children how to do that at a young age. And so that means as they get older, we need to start teaching them how to be responsible with what we are giving them or with what they receive from as gifts. Teach them how to be responsible with that money. What 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 should they do with it? They they don't know what to do. They'd spend it all if they had their choice. Many of them, others would just save it all. Maybe maybe those two extremes are not The best, so we need to help them with that. And Proverbs has all sorts of wisdom um, on this. Unfortunately, I don't have time to to go through that. Teach them that money is not the end. You know, it's money doesn't solve all of our problems. That money is only a resource. It's only a good that we use to accomplish God's God's purposes. And then finally, teach them to love their neighbors. Teach them to love their neighbors. Proverbs 3.27, do not withhold good from those who deserve it Who deserve it when it's in your power to act. Do not say to your neighbor, come back later, I'll give it to you tomorrow, when you now have it with you. Jesus said, if your enemy is hungry, give him food. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Okay, so... Uh, we start with number 1 fear God. We could put that under the category of loving God and then we finish with loving our neighbor. Those are really how the whole law is is summarized. Love God and love your neighbor. This is what we're trying to teach our children to do. And um God has given us a wonderful responsibility and he's given us a wonderful resource of wisdom that we can go to. So so Use the Book of Proverbs as a guidebook to help train your children in the way that they should go. It's a great privilege, um, but obviously, with great privilege comes great responsibility. Let me read this long quote here at the end of your handout from John MacArthur in his book Successful Christian Parenting. He said, "Parents, if you don't fail—excuse me—if you fail to teach your children to fear God, the devil will teach them to hate God. If you fail to teach them to guard their minds." the devil will teach them to have a corrupt mind. If you fail to teach them to obey their parents, the devil will teach them to rebel and break their parents' hearts. If you fail to teach them to select carefully their companions, the devil will choose their companions for them. If you fail to teach them to control their lusts, the devil will teach them how to fulfill their lusts. If you fail to teach them to enjoy their own spouses, the devil will teach them to destroy their marriages. If you fail to teach them to watch their words, the devil will fill their mouth with filth. If you fail to teach them to pursue their work, the devil will make their laziness a tool of hell. If you fail to teach them to manage their money, the devil will teach them to squander it on riotous living. And if you fail to teach them to love their neighbors, the devil will teach them to love only themselves. We have a great responsibility to this generation of children that that God has entrusted to us and to the next. Praise God that He gives grace for this task and this high calling. Any questions? Comments? Vicki? I'm thinking maybe one like, of those books, like the book or whatever, would be a good gift for it. Yeah. Yeah, that, that, uh, that DVD series actually uh, probably has a book. I think Ted Tripp also has a book on parenting. And I. I can't remember the name of it right now. I I think I have a copy of it somewhere, but it's been a while since I've read it. But his DVD series is really helpful. Um, um, But yeah, those would would make great gifts for Christian parents. All right, let's pray. Lord, thank You for Your grace. Thank You for how You have led us to uh, where we are right now. We know that some here are a product that is spiritually we are a product of the the work of godly parents. I I thankfully am. I'm grateful for that. Others have come to Christ other ways, maybe later in life, are grateful for that as well. But now that we are Christians, we want to use the responsibility uh, that we have to train up the children that you have entrusted to us in our family, but also in our church. We want to be good examples for the children in our church. So help us, help us to. Uh, embody these 10 principles in our own lives teach us to to do these things and to love to do these things and to fear you in a proper way and so that uh, others will see our good works and glorify you in heaven we pray in Jesus name amen did you guys uh, get your project done yet? Not yet. Good thing he doesn't get paid by a deadline or something, huh? A lot of tombstones is kind of complicated things for him. He's got a lot of calls for flooding. But he says he's got 72 hours to react. Oh. Otherwise, both starts growing. I personally think he's milking milking it for Tina's cooking. But I don't know. He could be. Yeah. Um you didn't turn off your thing. Oh, Did you listen to my conversation.